Okay, it's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. And the subject of mental illness in the church is a timely subject. We have a special author, Amy Simpson. She has a book. It's called Troubled Minds. And it's all about mental illness, even in the church, which we don't expect to find mental illness in the church. And uh, she's a prolific author and also a coach as well, a life coach. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, I mean, do Christians really have mental illness? I thought they were perfect. Yeah, I'm sorry to have to break it to you, um, but Christians are not perfect in any way, actually, including um, in our mental health. Yes, men- mental health problems do affect Christians um, just as much as they do do non-Christians. However, um, you know, the studies, scientific studies are showing that um, faith does make a difference in a person's mental health. Um, that some some faith-based activities like going to church and being in fellowship with other um, Christians, engaging in prayer and that kind of thing, does elevate a person's level of mental health. But those things alone don't don't mean that our brains, you know, won't malfunction in some way, or you know, won't be injured, or you know, that our thought patterns won't uh, ever lead us to a point where they're destructive to us. So, Amy, I want to ask you a question. You know, in your book, it says the church's mission. A lot of times, from what I'm hearing in your book, is that that's somewhat omitted, that we have the theology down pat, but we're not really catering or sensitive to people in the church with a mental illness. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. There are, and actually, um, when it comes to the, the theology, you know, it depends on the church we're talking about, but there are churches that are, I think, confused on um, theology as it relates to mental illness as well and have some, you know, some ideas about what causes mental health or maybe even the idea that it it can't affect Christians. Um, And and that really gets in the way of exercising our mission as it relates to people who are affected by mental health problems. You know, most churches don't realize this. Um, Most pastors have no idea of this statistic. But when people historically have sought help for a mental health problem, um, when they've actually gone out to, to get some help from someone, uh, 25% of people have gone first to a member of the clergy. Now that compares to 16% who have gone to a psychiatrist, uh, 16% who've gone to a general medical practitioner. Um, the clergy are actually the number one place people go for help when they're having a mental health issue. And that applies to people who are churched, um, who are you know already actively part of a congregation, and it also applies to people who are not. Um, for them, the clergy is still the number one place people go. So there are a lot of people actually already coming to the church for help with mental health issues. And if we're not well equipped to understand and to respond to help them in appropriate ways, you know, we're, we're really not fulfilling our mission in, re, in regard to them, you know, giving them what they need from the church. I really agree. And I've spoken to a lot of pastors who admit that they're not equipped to actually counsel and they defer to mental health counselors and other people. But forgive me if I'm wrong, but in the book of Mark, it's really all about Jesus delivering people from mental illness and all, all kinds of, uh, of ailments. We, we are equipped as the church to, to handle this. And that's really the resounding shout in your book. 
Yeah, exactly. We are equipped to, to, there's a lot we're equipped to do. Now, you know, I do think it's fine. Actually, it's a good thing for pastors to refer people to mental health counselors um, and other professionals when, when that's what they need. And for many people, that, that is what they need, and that's important. But that's not all they need from us as the church. You know, we, when, sometimes when we do that, we think, well, I, I help them, I help them connect them with professional help, and so my job is done. But actually, they need all kinds of other things from us as well. They need spiritual care. They need a, a loving community. They need friendship. So, for example, when someone comes to to you and says, you know, I was just diagnosed with cancer and I'm going to be going through radiation and chemotherapy, um, you know, our res- first response is likely to be, uh, oh, you know, how can I help? I, I want to support you and walk through that as a friend with you. Um, and help meet your needs. But if someone comes to you and says, you know, I was just diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I'm going to be taking medication and doing some intensive therapy to learn how to manage this condition um, and I'm having a really hard time right now, chances are with, for a lot of people, their first response is more like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do for you. There's nothing I can do because I'm not a mental health professional rather than recognizing that even though we don't know how to fix that issue for them, there are still plenty of things we can offer them in response. It, just the same as with, you know, someone who's affected by cancer or another form of serious illness that affects them profoundly. So, Amy, I want to ask you a question because this subject of mental illness really hits home for you. I mean, you wrote a lot about it and uh, did a lot of research regarding the church and, and mental illness and how we can cater to people. But tell our audience a little bit about how sensitive you are to mental illness and, and your experience with it. Yeah, it. This, like you said, it hits home for me very much. Literally, this is part of my home and my family life growing up. Um, continues to be a significant uh, part of my family life. My my mom has a severe mental illness. Um, she started to show symptoms of that illness uh, when she was a young adult, but she was not diagnosed, and her illness it, those symptoms really weren't even recognized for what they were. You know, and this was at a time when these problems were far more likely to be swept under the rug or ignored or explained away than they are these days. Um, so for a long time, my, you know, my mom's mental health was fragile, but she functioned well enough that she was able to get by. Um, although, you know, she definitely, I, I always had the sense that she was not uh, fully able to care for me or, or protect me. You know, she didn't feel like a safe person. She felt like someone who, needed protection from from us, you know, who needed us to protect her. Um, But when I was a teenager, my family went through a period of extraordinary stress. We we uh, my dad left the the position he was in. He was a pastor. He left the church. He was pastoring. Um, My family moved. We moved from a rural area to right into the middle of the city. And uh, my my brother, who was the oldest of us siblings, left home and went to college that year. Um, My sisters and I were you know, found ourselves in the, a completely different setting, just dramatically different from what we had known. My dad was unemployed for a long time. My family was living in poverty. There was just a ton of stress in our family. And, you know, these are the kinds of things families have to deal with. They have to make adjustments. And we were able to make those adjustments in my family, uh, all except for my mom, who really was not able to uh, handle all of this stress because of the fragile condition of her mental health already. Um, and this experience uh, just really caused her health to deteriorate dramatically 
And over time, she became more and more ill until finally um, she really completely lost touch with reality. And it was at that point that we started a journey of really understanding exactly what she had been living with all these years. And, you know, now she's she's diagnosed with schizophrenia. And in the decades since then, has continued to be a major issue in our lives as my mom has continued to deal with the symptoms of her illness as they have caused her, um, you know, to misunderstand reality, um, to sometimes walk into very serious problems that have endangered her um, or endangered others. My mom has um, run afoul of the law. She has actually been convicted of a crime. She's served time in jail and in prison. Um, and she's, you know, she's been through a lot of other very difficult experiences that affect a lot of people who are, who live with a serious mental health problem like she does and who, especially who struggle to maintain the appropriate treatment. And, and she has really had that struggle as well. Yeah. And there's no doubt that our audience, uh, people are going to be able to relate to a family member with mental illness. I mean, they're people. And uh, yeah. there's a stigma, unfortunately, which you're trying to uncover that's in the church, you know, even though we're, it's a loving place. Uh, I don't know what it is. You know, we don't make fun of people who are gossipers and, and those that overeat. And by the way, both are prevalent in the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But what about mental illness? I mean, why is that such a stigma? Yeah, and I think we, you know, we there is a stigma around it within the church. Um, but to be fair, it's not just the church. You know, yes. it really, it's it's within our whole culture, and and actually, it's present mm-hmm. in most cultures worldwide. Um, I think part of it is because you, you know we have this sense this historically we've had this sense that the brain is somehow um, not part of our physical bodies. You know, so it 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 shouldn't be affected by disease or injury or decay the way our bodies are. And it, and we are understanding more and more, you know, that the brain is a physical organ of the bodies. And we can now finally see what a diseased brain looks like, you know, be, because we can't look at a person and see uh, a problem with their brain. I, I think that affects our understanding that there, there really is a problem here that needs compassion, that needs care and treatment, just like other forms of illness. But we are reaching the point where we can you know, through brain scans and other technology, we can actually see um, what that looks like. And so I think that is is helping. Um, I think also because our, you know, our minds, our, our bodies, our spirits, um, our emotional selves, these different parts of who we are are all very much intertwined. We can't truly separate one from the others and say, you know, this is a problem that only affects the spirit, you know, or only mm-hmm. affects the body, because when there's a problem with one, it affects the others. It creates a problem with the others. Um, but the but the mind and the spirit tend to be so closely I- intertwined that when people are, you know, having trouble, say they have a cognitive disorder like my mom that that does not allow them to um, process thoughts at times in a healthier, accurate manner that's going to affect their spiritual understanding or the way they express their faith. And uh, we see those outward manifestations of the illness sometimes without understanding what's happening internally um, and tend to judge it on those manifestations, I, I think, too quickly and too harshly. Yes, and you mentioned that although, you know, the church is a spiritual hospital, that there's nothing really a program in place that caters in particular or specifically to the mentally ill in the church. I thought that was an interesting observation. 
Yeah, if you go to a lot of churches, especially big mega churches, you know, in this country, you find a ministry for just about everything you can think mm-hmm. of, you know, um, every kind of person, every kind of circumstance in life, you know, even supporting people through through uh, experiences that were once very much taboo. You know, we there was a time when you never would have heard people uh, admitting to divorce in the church, you know, talking, doing divorce care and recovery or something like addiction or, um, you know, s- sexual um, integrity issues. But we have those groups uh, meeting in churches around the country, all, all over the place. But it's very hard to find a church that has a ministry dedicated to people who are living with mental illness or the people who are affected by that, their loved ones, you know, who are trying to care for them. And the funny thing is it, it affects more people than uh, just a, than any other form of illness yes. in this country. There are, and there are so many different types of disease and disorder that are that attack the brain. Um, we're leaving a lot of people out when we fail to recognize, you know, that they need they do need ministry within the context of the church. That's so true. And what is it? One in five people are in uh, suffer yeah. from mental illness. That's right, and that's true um, not only for adults but for children as well. Um, you know, half of all cases of mental illness begin by the age of fourteen, and three quarters of them begin by the age of twenty-four. So these illnesses tend to attack, um, tend to strike in the young years and in the prime of life when people's brains are still in development. And, um, you know, so we're talking about a lot of families, a lot of parents, you know, a lot of children who are affected by mental health struggles and really struggle to find their place in the church because of that. Hmm. I'm wondering if we can dig in here. I want to discover really why the church is not able to uh, focus in. Certainly, if they're equipped, in which we are, but why aren't they? And that's a question I want to talk about. I'm curious, have we gotten to cultured and too intellectual back in the bible days you know they would do exorcisms and things like that and spirits would leave and demons i should say and people were were healed i mean is uh, is do we bring that back or or are we just is it just an awkward area for all of us well i think that i think that's part of it you know and there are some churches that that do respond to mental health problems you know automatically with something like an exorcism um, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, we can't say that mental illness is necessarily caused by a demon. I think that's certainly possible that that demon possession or demon activity can create some of those symptoms. Um, but there are lots of other, you know, physiological problems that can be behind a mental health problem, too. So if we only approach the problem as a spiritual one or as a as a case of um, spiritual oppression, you know, we're we're not really treating uh, the problem in a whole holistic way. On the other hand, we have people who, you know, consider it just it's kind of outside the church's realm. It's only a problem to, to be dealt with, you know, from a medical approach or medical perspective. And then, you know, we end up kind of leaving out the spiritual aspect um, and again, aren't treating it in a holistic way. So, yeah, I do think there's some awkwardness there. I think there are some some questions there are some unresolved questions for yes. for some churches um, and some church leaders. I think there's a problem of, you know, equipment, of feeling equipped and confident um, to handle these issues. But these are not insurmountable problems. You know, I think um, it, it's it can be convenient 
to sort of overlook this kind of issue when you're not sure how to respond to it. But I just feel uh, we can't justify doing that, you know, especially when we're talking about such a large number of people who are, again, coming to the church um, as the first place they seek help. You know, and the good news is there are churches that are responding and, and that are doing a great job of it. And there are some programs out there that are really, you know, plug and play programs like mm-hmm. uh, Christian based support group ministries that can be um, started in churches around the country. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are things we can do and other people we can learn from um and and apply those ministries within local congregations. Yes, and I think you just hit the the nail on the head. Is that what I have to say there? <laughs> that mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about the fact that um, you know, let's just look at theology for a minute, okay? Sometimes we're skewed with just one theological view, and of course, then there's the Baptist Church, and there's another theological view, and then we made it a Presbyterian Church, and so forth, but. Um, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but I guess it can be in some churches where they would look at mental illness as only a spiritual problem. And then there may be another church that may see it a different way. And so um, you touched on something there, that it doesn't have to be all or nothing thinking that we could be physical beings, spiritual beings, and psychological beings. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And, you know, I think we are we are arrogant if we think we really understand full complexity of what we are Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know there we there's still much that is mysterious about human beings and a lot of it is in our brains um you know it's really it's an exciting and mysterious frontier of science is is brain science and understanding just how human beings work um you know we're still barely scratching the surface of understanding how genetics work um, you know, there are still uh, parts of what make us human that we probably have not even noticed yet, let alone discovered or understood. So, you know, we are we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think we honor God when we when we honor um, the fact that we, and when we approach our own selves with humility and recognize, um, you know, we are far more complex. Our, our fellow human beings are more complex then we can understand and we can't just boil all of our problems down to one thing. Yes, I completely agree. That was well said. And an addendum to what we were talking about earlier also, when it comes to the church viewing mental illness as maybe spiritual only or uh, things like that. But what about medication even? That can be an issue where some people will say, hey, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you don't need medication. Other people will say it's a sin. Other people will say, no, no, it's a common grace. You, uh, you know, we take medication to manage our symptoms and we're always praying and deliverance that uh, that Jesus would deliver us. Uh, that's too is an all or nothing way of thinking. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it is interesting how um, we have these kinds of discussions frequently when it comes to the topic of mental health. But I don't hear people having the same discussion really around diabetes or heart disease or high, high cholesterol. Um, or a host of other conditions that require people to take medication on an ongoing basis, even things like chronic pain, um, you know, where we, we do accept that, yes, um, Jesus can heal us, and sometimes he does, but we also recognize that sometimes that healing comes through medical intervention. Sometimes that healing doesn't take place in this life and will happen in the next. And, um, you know, we don't tell people, you know, stop taking your insulin, um, because 
you know, I, I'm just pretty sure that God has healed you from your diabetes. We recognize that if we tell someone to stop taking their insulin, we're putting their life at risk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of us are not willing to take that kind of responsibility. Um, you know, we're not quite that confident that God has spoken to us and told us that this person is healed. And yet people, I hear stories all the time from people who have been told that about their psychiatric medications um, from other people within the church. And I think part of the issue is that we, we tend not to, you know, we tend again to think that some of us, that spirit, that mental illness is just spiritual. So it just requires a spiritual solution and we discount the medical, but also we tend to think that mental illness is not really a life threatening condition. You know, we think of it as something that people can just get over or, you know, if you if you stop taking your medication and um, just test it out, you know, see if God has healed you. Um, the, there aren't uh, serious consequences to that, but that's that's faulty thinking. Uh, mental illness is it can be a life threatening condition. It frequently is. And, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the kinds of risks that people may take or the situations they may put themselves in when their judgment is impaired. Um, that's a serious issue. And also when we're talking about the statistics around death by suicide, which, you know, experts say 90 percent of people who die by suicide have a mental health disorder that contributes to their death. Yes. Yes. We have I've, to take I've that very that seriously. From people I've known and think, how could that person actually have taken their own life? But then to find out that the person needed medication and maybe even stop taking the medication and so forth. I had a thought, though. And I think I know maybe one of the reasons why the church does not address mental illness. You want to know why? Yeah. Okay. I think it's because we're really afraid to admit that we're all a little messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I also think there are some churches, this isn't true of all churches, but there are some churches out there that are that have kind of given into the temptation to focus so much on, uh, on growth um, and on being an attractive community um, that they have, they have allowed themselves to, to reach the point where they, they don't want unattractive people or problems <laughs> in their community. Right, you know, that, they don't want the messy. They don't, you know, they don't want um, anybody who's going to kind of detract from that idea that, you know, this is a place people want to be. We are all messed up. Absolutely. <laughs> that, I'm raising my hand. Yeah, exactly. Me too. And that most people out there, you know, if they're going to come to the church, it's not going to be because they noticed that everybody there was really cool and yes. had their act together. It's probably going to be because they are experiencing a crisis or a problem in their lives and they recognize that other people who have experienced that crisis or that problem have gone to the church and they've received help or they've received the open and loving arms of a community that will take them in. And walk with them through that. Um, yeah, I was laughing be earlier far because more powerful with that. Mm -hmm, I agree. Yeah, I'm laughing because there was a church called it was called Family Church, okay, and they have all these really beautiful pictures of the father, the mother, and the baby, and you know walks mm -hmm. on the beach and everything on every wall. It says Family mm -hmm. Church, but I'm thinking that you're <laughs> there's such polished pictures, and I kind of felt like that unattractive person that you were talking about. When wait a minute, I don't fit into this perfect kind of mold if you will and uh and so you know it, it is interesting what you're saying that when we try to be presentable to so many people and likable but really deep inside that we're really kind of messed up and and maybe if 
if, as you mentioned in the book, if there were more sermons that address mental illness, maybe that would be a good beginning. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I think we need to do a couple of things there. We need to normalize it, you know, and acknowledge mental illness is in our churches. It's all throughout our society. It does not discriminate. It can affect anybody. And so there are people in the church who are living with that. Just acknowledging that would be a huge ministry to a lot of people who don't get that kind of acknowledgement in their church and therefore feel like they need to hide what they're the most painful experience they're going through. Mm -hmm. But the other thing it would do is give us the opportunity to frame mental health issues in the context of Christian theology, (laughs) which most churches are not doing. You know, we're, we're delivering sermons on, you know, how to, uh, depending on your tradition, you know, how to have a, a better, nicer family life, or, um, you know, let's go through this book of the Bible. Um, we're not always really challenging ourselves with some of these really difficult uh, questions that that come up in situations like this, the really hard stuff of life that demands that we wrestle with our theology. And I I think many churches in the U.S. today are really missing a well-formed and well-stated theology of suffering, not just around mental illness, but suffering of other kinds as well. Um, you know, we may, it may be the kind of thing not everybody wants to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe it's not the most popular sermon topic, but boy, when people hit those patches in life, when people are walking through intense suffering, they need it and they want it. And that is not the time to try to introduce them to the concepts of suffering, you know, from a Christian perspective. Because at that point, if they've got if they've gotten to that point and they've understood that they won't have that kind of suffering because they're Christians, um, you know, that if if I do have that kind of suffering, it means God doesn't love me anymore or he's withholding blessings from me for some reason. You know, this idea that having being happy and healthy and Mm -hmm, the prosperity um, gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Is the norm. You know, and this is this has infiltrated our churches beyond far beyond churches that would would truly consider themselves prosperity gospel churches because it's part of our society. It's part of the way we think as Americans, you know, that we're Americans. We don't go through that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to contradict that kind of thinking in our churches and, and help people be prepared for um, the serious suffering that they will encounter in their lives. For sure. Everybody will. Um, whether it's a, a mental health crisis or some other kind of hardship, everybody will. And and we this is really where it starts. If we want to do better ministry to people affected by mental illness, it really starts with our theology, and it starts with our own attitude and understanding about ourselves, you know, about everybody's brokenness and the fact that nobody is Nobody has it all together. I agree. And, you know, all I have to do is go open up the Bible. (laughs) And I see Jesus talking to all these people who suffer from, like, schizophrenia and major type of stuff in the scriptures, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, drug addicts and prostitutes and things like that. There's tons of brokenness right there. And for some reason, why we gloss over that uh, in some of the sermons that are given, you know, in the church, I don't understand that. And and maybe if we did focus on some of the character studies of some of the people like David or or Peter, you know, I think he had ADHD, you know what I mean? Mm, um, yeah, right. <laughs> so, and I have it. So, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe we'd get to 
feel like we know some of the characters in the Bible if we begin to talk about some of the psychology of uh, of some of the characters, you know, and Moses yeah. with anger issues and and uh, you know certain depression from um, I don't know David had depression sometimes and you yeah. know why not talk about some of that? Yeah, I mean we even have a couple of people like Elijah and Jonah who were suicidal. You know, who who were um, powerfully used by God and, and who are blessed by him, but who, in the wake of triumphant ministry experiences, became so low, they literally wanted to die. Um, there are a lot of people who can relate to that kind of experience, but, you know, you don't hear much about that. We hear about the victories and the triumphs. Um, we don't. We don't talk much about the other ways that we can relate to these people and understand, you know, this did not these experiences didn't and emotions did not cancel God's purposes for them. Yes. You know, they didn't disqualify them from ministry. Um, And that's just true for us as well. We all have purpose. We all have gifts. We all have a place within the church. Um, But unfortunately, people often feel marginalized instead mm-hmm. had an author and he was talking about you know spiritual mentoring and he mentioned that it's a slow and steady process that most christians aren't prepared you know to pour into another person's life and have that slow and steady process and i think about people with mental illness in which we all really have you know uh mm, it's yeah. it's this slow steady process of caring about another person following up with that person and loving that person it's it's not just like you said you know the performance factor of the church the wow factor but it's that slow you know getting to know that person listening to that person and maybe 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 if there was just a little bit more love you know that that people with all kinds of mental illness would start coming to the church and feel that love and maybe people would be healed yeah you know there are a lot of studies out there that have been done on what really works with mental illness, what really helps people. And there are a variety of answers to that question, of course, including our, you know, some of our classic approaches. Medication certainly helps tremendously, especially with certain conditions. Um, hospitalizations and uh, therapy are really important. But there are a lot of studies out there that show also that uh, loving, supportive communities can be tremendously helpful, in some cases can be as helpful as any of the other interventions, Um, can even mean that people actually get off their medications, don't need to, you know, work um, intensely, don't end up being hospitalized when they're part of uh, loving, supportive communities that are willing to stick with them over the long term, that are willing to put up with some of their quirks, some of their idiosyncrasies, um, love them through their symptoms, Um, keep speaking truth to them. It makes an enormous difference for people. And there is nobody, nobody in our society better equipped to do that than the church. (laughs) In fact, you know, when you think about the unique place that the church holds in North American society, I mean, it's almost the only place left where you can walk in and, and find people readily available who are willing to welcome you and be your friends from the very beginning. You can join that day. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of places like that left where people are loving community is so accessible. We are critically important. You talk about the mission of the church. And once again, let's just say all the churches. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Everyone has your book, you know, and tell everyone the name of your book one more time. Yeah, the book is Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission. Okay, let's just say that all the churches in America, okay, purchase this book 
And what would you say as a summary to get everybody on board and on mission with conquering, you know, the stigma of mental illness in the church? Yeah, I think, it. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, it really starts with our theology um, and our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, um, what it means to live in a world that is profoundly affected by suffering. You know, even though we are um, redeemed and saved people, we still live in a fallen world. And we are still affected by the consequences of human sin, just like everybody else is. So we, we experience that. And, you know, there, when you look at, at Jesus' ministry, and when you look at the, what the Bible tells us about what our mission is here on earth, as God's people, representatives of Christ, and people who carry around the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go, Responding to the needs of people affected by mental illness is an incredible opportunity to fulfill that mission. We don't have to give in to, you know, what stigma is really mostly based in fear. You know, it is a fearful response to something that we don't quite understand. And we are not people of fear. We are people of hope and grace and faith. We can respond to people in hope and grace and faith and really choose to overcome that fear that causes us to think that that person isn't like us, you know, or we can't relate to them or we need to keep our distance from them and really ask uh, the Holy Spirit to allow us to see them for who they are, see them the way God does and understand these are people as beloved to Christ as we are ourselves. I think that's that's really the proper starting point for ministry to anybody, including people affected by mental illness. So, you know, just I just challenge churches to recognize this is a ready built in mission field Mm -hmm. for us. People who are um, receptive to the gospel, people who are likely to go to the church um, and who are, you know, really willing and, and even desperate to receive what we offer them. And, and to equip ourselves to do a great job of that. It's such a good conversation starter, and it really gets people talking. I have to ask, too, I'm not your marketer or anything, but do you have like a, a CV or DVD set or something to this? No, I have the book, and I have my my traveling self. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that works, you know. And um, so, you know, our audience, if you're listening, you know, if you have, uh, I guess, uh, a pew that you like in particular, give that seat up to somebody, you know. Uh, and be nice to someone. Love on people. Don't drag that piano across the carpet and leave a mark, you know. And start loving people who are hurting. That's just my humor, Amy. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. You know, but I mean, having that sensitivity that we're really all in the same boat, some greater than others, but uh, it's that, you know, it's a fallen world that we live in and uh, and we're all broken and uh, we all have problems. So thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you for, for reading it and for talking about it. Absolutely. Again, it's Amy Simpson. The book is called Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission. Go out and get it. And again, uh, God bless you. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you.